I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm Nolly Waterman. I'm Laura Jane Jones. And this, my friends, is the Try Hard Podcast. Konnichiwa, Try Hards. Oh, wow. Yes, we are in Japan. And this is what I have had to deal with for approximately four days, four nights. Um... LJ, ultimate tryhard, trying to speak Japanese. Arigato. Oh, no. Please, it's so painful. Mate. And and actually, we went to a restaurant the other day. You said thank you and goodbye to the the people that we were paying to. And as we were leaving, two Japanese women actually laughed at you, didn't they? Because they wanted to be mates (laughs) with us. They then tried to teach me some slang, which I did not trust. Also, people in glass houses, you think you're Japanese because you've mastered the metro system. It's actually one of the highlights of the trip so far, feeling like I've accomplished something by the time we've arrived. We what I'd out- love by the time we leave is that you learn the actual names as to opposed to calling the Marinucci line the Mariachi line and other assorted nicknames that you've given them yourself. But you've known where I've meant. I have, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah Japan. What a place. What a place. We've been here since uh, the tail end of last week. So I got in Wednesday, stayed in a capsule hotel. Uh, check out my thread on Twitter. What an experience. And Nolly That's got had in. loads of likes. Yeah, people are, I think, quite intrigued by it. I think as well, it's a, it, people are intrigued. And I think claustrophobia is a really common fear. <laughs> it's not something I have because I'm quite a small oh, human. So but people are like, oh my God, it's like sleeping in a coffin. I'm like, it's not. Hang on. I actually asked you about what was it like and it was like claustrophobia. And you said, if I, if I, <laughs> if I can lie on my back and put my feet in the air and my feet don't touch the ceiling, then I'm okay. Your legs are literally one foot long. So <laughs> Mate, I'm lofty out here. <laughs> You've also talked about that, haven't you? But actually, you felt really strange in a shopping queue because you were the tallest. It's not that I was the tallest. It's that I am rarely, apart from in my family home, I'm rarely in a situation where there are people who are smaller than me. I'm five foot two. And I say... Five foot two? Yeah. Say We're not doing this one over the phone, by the way. We're actually next to each other. (laughs) Um, if If you and I go somewhere and we go on the tube, if I lose you, I can't see you. Whereas here, if I lose you, I can see over people's heads. But that's because I'm going to start wearing platforms. I've just realised I'm going to start wearing platforms. Do it. What's been your favourite thing about Japan? Um, 
obviously having my try-hard friend here. Oh, thanks, babe. Nat. Um, Do your own air. I think mastering the metro system. Okay. Um, catching up with some friends. Going to a bit of rugby on the weekend. We went to both World Cup semi-finals, uh, which we'll come on to later, but I'm really keen to get Nolly to tell everyone what her least favourite thing about Japan is. Um, well, apart from staying in a postage stamp with you, um, I mean, our room... My, <laughs> the my, hamster hutch. Hang on. When I say our room, my room would have been perfect for me, but I also ha- I have someone that's arrived with just as much stuff as me. So, yeah, it's kind of like a jumble sale. But... Um, I'm not too keen on the toilet roll. It's single ply. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a slightly strange um, experience, but hey, it might make me um, use less when I'm at home. So there you go. Indeed. So let's talk about the rugby. It is the Monday morning after the weekend before, and one of us is a lot cheerier than the other one. I have had a few tired Ted tears, but... <laughs> The show must go on. Third, fourth play off the game. No one wants to be in, but Warren Gatlin's men will hopefully give him a big send-off and maybe beat the All Blacks for the first time since 1953. Wow. That's a good stat. Well, you were up early. I've got another good stat for you. Did you know in 1991, Australia beat the All Blacks and knocked them out of the tournament? They're the only team to go on to win the trophy after knocking the All Blacks out. The rugby was unbelievable. Um, massive shout out to um, Habana. Sweet home, Brian Habana. Um, he so taught us himself both of those songs, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, um, he's over here um, doing bits and pieces with I- ITV. Yeah. Um, but is, he was a MasterCard ambassador and sorted us right out with being able to watch the game on the mezzanine floor. Yeah, um, snacks. Yeah, um, few drinks and uh also got to meet michael leach that was pretty yeah, special was very, uh, also nick faldo was in there and i nearly fainted i recognized him but i couldn't remember his name sport or anything i which, couldn't breathe so yeah, no i saw your eyes i actually saw the back of your eyes they popped up <laughs> um that much but um yeah big shout out to him and what a game like the the first try was the I side we were on and it was just ridiculous when the dust settles properly that will go down as one of the greatest World Cup performances ever. Jono's actually said it's he thinks it's England's greatest ever World Cup performance. Yeah, I to be honest, I I enjoy watching rugby, but I'm never the type of person that watch a film twice. I, I don't enjoy watching a film twice. In fact I did actually I have watched a film twice. I've watched Notting Hill a lot of times. Okay. And also Lion King because I had it on VHS when I was at school. But um I'm actually quite excited about when I get home to watch that back because you get so caught up in the stadium and the emotion of it that you miss all of the detail of the game yeah. and, and some of the big moments because you, it, it was just so exciting. And um, to be fair, there was a lot of English supporters out here already. Yeah. I don't know whether... It, it was strange because I feel like the Japanese have kind of... The All Blacks are their second team. Um, I think a lot of people, if you're... Um not so much if you're neutral, you support the All Blacks, but I think there's an aura about the brand that is the All Blacks that I think every rugby fan, apart from maybe Australians, can get behind. Like I, this morning, I've been out to work and um, I've got a milk round over here in Japan and I've seen, a, a, I saw an English family and the two sons were both wearing All Blacks t-shirts that they've obviously bought here, the Rugby World Cup ones, because 
It's quite a sensible stash, isn't it? Black doesn't show <laughs> ramen, ramen when it's dripped on you. Oh, mate. Um, so let's move on to the next game because, to be fair, England absolutely smashed New Zealand. Do you know what, one thing I want to say playing. about that when you say about um, watching films twice and looking at the detail and stuff like that, I've watched a number of rugby matches with you. You rarely get like excitable and stuff, and you know, you're always kind of analytical and you'll sit there next to me and talk about lots of different things. There was one moment that you got like really excited. Did I? Yeah, when Mark Wilson made that turnover. After oh, I loved on. it. You loved were it. so animated. Absolutely. Yeah, but that there. But I knew that that was probably the game because New Zealand were throwing everything at England, and also I think Mark, Mark Wilson is a legend. I think yeah. in terms of attitude and application he had his opportunity he put his hand up when Billy was injured and didn't just play he played unbelievably well got his spot in the World Cup but hasn't had a chance because Billy has been playing yeah. probably not his best rugby but he he's yeah, so influential he's um but to 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 do something like that in the heat of the game on on his try line just awesome uh, yeah, I'm actually what quite- a story it will be if Mark Wilson is in the match day 23 for the World Cup final. Just the, the rise that he's had over the past few years. And like you say, he's a very likeable bloke as well. Yeah, and I think he um, it epitomises what Eddie Jones thinks of his team. And I did a bit of a Q&A before um, the game in some, in some hospitality. And I, I actually spoke about it wasn't just a battle of the um, players. It was a battle of the coaches. And Eddie Jones absolutely nailed it. Um, and he has done in terms of building up players so that he talks about finishers in the women's game. We talk about finishers as well. I don't know if he's stolen it from Eddie Jones. I'm going <laughs> to say that he stole it from us. But um, he has created a team of and a squad of players that he can pick from to change how they play, to um, bring influence onto the field in the right moments. You talk about George Ford not being dropped. He just had a different role yeah. um, in the, um, the Australia game. And I think that that shows how clever he is and the players are completely buying into it because they are delivering what he wants them to do, whether it's in a starting shirt or a finishing one. So that's the first of the finalists. And then obviously Sunday played host to the second semi-final between Wales and South Africa, which was one of the most turgid test matches I have ever witnessed, summed up by Nolly putting her head on my shoulder about 30 minutes in saying I could fall asleep. I actually could have fallen asleep. It was, oh my God, it was such a snore fest. It was such bad rugby. The kicking, South Africa, I don't think, went past two phases without kicking the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it put put Wales in territory where they couldn't score because when actually Wales got up um, in contention to like a decent attacking yeah. place they did all right but oh my god it was terrible yeah and it was like watching mini rugby when um, um I, I think when Willie LaRue dropped it into touch Fafta Clerk dropped it into touch Gareth Davis and Lee Halfby ran into each other <laughs> yeah. and then Fafta Clerk did a flying um like flying rat approach to the yeah. ball and knocked it on like it was just terrible but um I actually I'm pretty gutted for you I'm pretty gutted for Wales for not winning because it was just such a rubbish game to lose yeah. on um and that's how I, I don't know as, as a kind of neutral fan for that game I just felt like and we spoke about if it had been the same game as England New Zealand had been in terms of the skill level we saw the intensity then you kind of know that You've been beaten by the better side, but I, I no, and I think that's what really irks this morning, and I think that's where a lot of Welsh fans are going to feel like it's an opportunity missed. And you know, obviously, 
is a bit of a, a patched up squad. We knew that going into the game, but the reality is they could have won that game. Um, yeah, because South Africa are, are there to be beaten, I think. Yeah. And I think speaking to a couple of Welsh fans afterwards, that's what they kind of said, that it was a time to get to the final if you look at the different teams. But then I just think it was a step too far for Wales, like you say, with the players that are out. But um, again, we were hosted in hospitality. Yeah, we'll, uh, we were hosted by DHL and you're shortly going to hear an interview um, that we conducted whilst we were up there. So take it away. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's match 46 <laughs> at the 2019 Rugby World Cup and Nolly and I are now in the DHL suite because we are high rollers, as you all know. And we've actually been joined by two incredibly special guests today. So Ron Rutland and James Owens have undertaken an incredible adventure leading up to this World Cup and actually, who better to tell us about it than themselves? Um, however, I've just realised that we have got the Welsh supporter sat next to the South African supporter. You're both donning your shirts. In fact, Ron is currently undoing his DHL shirt the to is, show though, the South African number. I got ramen on my top and Ron hasn't got ramen on his. <laughs> One nil to the Sephers and I appreciate uh, we're not on camera, but I thought it'd be appropriate to <laughs> yeah, full, give the full green and, green and gold glory for a green and gold glorious day. At least you can't see his socks. Yeah, his I was going to say, something else. we actually had lunch earlier, and um, as you were leaving the, the small booth we were sat in, I saw an interesting number that you have underneath your shoes. Yeah, I thought I'd go, um, yeah, they've got my party socks on. It's game day. So green and gold socks, green and gold shirt, and plain green boxes, if you really want to know. <laughs> Take your socks off to dry your tears when you lose later, Ron. Oh. That's my advice. No more fighting talk. I want to talk about the amazing... Uh, eight, ten months that you guys have just had. So, Ron, kick us off. Tell us exactly what this adventure was and how it came about. So, so in short, James and I have spent the last 230 days of our life together, um, sharing tents, single beds, double beds, uh, various forms of accommodation, but more so just in sharing the lifetime adventure. So we cycled from Twickenham, host of the 2015 Rugby World Cup, to Tokyo Stadium, obviously to start off the 2019 Rugby World Cup. It was all in aid of Child Fund Pass the Back. James used to work for official charity partner of the Rugby World Cup. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was a dream of mine, I guess, initially. Like, I'd done something similar before. I cycled from Cape Town to Brighton for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. That didn't end very well for South Africa, that particular game. So, um, I guess, <laughs> to sort of try and put the wrongs to right, um, I dreamt up this plan. And I think, for me, a big part of it was the fact that Child Fund, Bastard Back, were appointed. 
as an official charity partner. Sport for development is something I've been interested in for a long time. Um, I was living in Asia, working at the Hong Kong Rugby Union, and there was so much excitement for the Rugby World Cup in the region that it just seemed to make sense to put it all together, and here we are. And you actually didn't just do the cycle. You actually brought something that was pretty fundamental to the start of this tournament. What did you bring, James? Yeah, so we had the uh, match whistle for the opening game. Um, got to hand it over when we arrived uh, the day before the opening game to Nigel Owens. Um, and Your uncle. Exactly. I think that was always the first question I get asked as James Owens is, uh, what relation is he and are you a Welsh fan? Um, Today? So... so um, I would never normally, but I'm, I'm lifting up my trousers oh, here. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, LJ's not happy to see us, but I've got my Safa socks on today in uh, support of one. I'd never normally support a Southern Hemisphere team, but um, clearly I was on the high from England victory last night, and uh, he talked me into it. <laughs> so something that I found exceptionally um interesting oh she's got it in it's it, uh, everything it is interesting everything is um, interesting to lj not to anyone else about but just to her something interesting about this story um it's a madness to do something like this it is absolutely insane to undertake it after having a total hip replacement run well the great thing is that if you i wouldn't have been able to do it a year ago before the hip operation so it was, just, it was uh, messing up my life massively and a part of going through that operation was actually something that kicked me into gear really because um, I kind of realized I was getting fat and useless and uh, time was running out on this planet and so getting the hip replacement actually gave me a bit of a second win sort of the impetus for this trip so um, as it turns out I had a bit of an ankle issue before the hip issue and that actually caused you a lot more problems but total hip replacement um, six months later cycling across the world and in fact it's the hip that actually brought James and I together um, in a very bizarre way. Yeah, oh, well, that's right, hey? Um, so my old man's a doctor in Hong Kong, and one went to him whinging about his hip, um, and I think he got sent on to the surgeon to have it replaced. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that was where it all started, is Ron had put the, put the idea forward to my old man, who said, um, you know, my, my son would love to do a trip like this, and Ron reached out, and I guess we never looked back. A week later, Ron was in Vietnam, and uh, we jumped on our bikes and did a test run, and interviewed each other in Hanoi as Ron likes to say and I don't know how but seemed to manage to get through that interview all right. So what were the key questions that you asked each other in that initial interview? Um, so yeah have, have you ever ridden a bike before? <laughs> well, <laughs> not for five years and uh, apparently that was good enough for Ron. So. Um, and actually when you spend that much time with anyone I mean I've spent three days three evenings sharing a, a queen-size bed with LJ not going to lie it, I mean it wonderful those eyes if those eyes could kill I would be are you confident dead right in in apportioning any kind of <laughs> nastiness to me after the th well not even the three nights one of those three nights that we've had I'll leave that for later on in the world dodgy Cup. sushi anyway <laughs> um, I, That's a lie. Um, I am really intrigued to know when you spend a load of time with somebody and you guys are literally plucked out of thin air introduced by a doctor and then the rest is history. What was the most annoying trait about each other? In any particular order? <laughs> <laughs> Getting out his list here, I see. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. um, James is absolute impossible to infuriate and impossible to get angry and impossible to... He's I trying, kind of though. He's trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think basically James... Yeah, is the most relaxed human being on the planet. Um, and after about three weeks of saying, 
do you want to go here today or do you want to go there today? And turning around saying, I don't mind, I don't care. Eventually, I just stopped even asking those questions. So, no, but it, it's actually probably made it we're quite, quite different in that regard. So it's probably, probably worked out. But basically, I'm a morning person and James isn't. So I think both of us spent 230 days compromising. I'd always want to leave two hours earlier. He'd always want to leave two hours later. Um, and we never quite got that right. But um, the fact is, you spend 230 days with one human being. I mean, people don't spend that with their partners or wives <laughs> or husbands or kids. There's always a weekend away or something like that. To spend 230 days literally in each other's presence for 24 seven, um, you would think normally, you know, you'd, yeah, he's only be a recipe for disaster basically. But somehow he managed to pull it off. And um, I think perhaps because we didn't know each other so well, you know, we sort of uh, were quite tolerant of each other and sort of learning each other's habits and nuances and um, yeah we managed to put it off we're still talking, yeah and we're still talking to each other today which is the most surprising yeah is it one of those things that because you're together for so long you end up talking about the weirdest topics and you feel like i'd imagine because you haven't been friends for a long time you're now in a situation where you know a vast amount about each other's families and upbringing and friends because the things you talk about but the reality is you haven't met those people but you know a lot about them already yeah, no, I definitely think that is the case. And even arriving at the World Cup here, I feel like Ron Rutland knows everyone in the stadium. So we'll be walking past and it'll be like, oh, that's Philzy. I'll be like, oh, I've heard all of his stories. And this is so-and-so. Like, like, and I feel like, I don't know where, maybe it was on the mountains in Tajikistan. I heard this one story about this one mate who was a bit rogue and uh, did something or other. But yeah, you feel like you learn a lot about... Um, yeah, their upbringing, like their friends, um, and you just talk about everything. You've got yeah. 230 days, quite a lot of time, and I, you two were sharing a queen bed. We were often in a single, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know. We will explain that Ron is a slightly, uh, did you take the, were you Big Spoon? <laughs> <laughs> there were some cold nights in those tents. He's <laughs> <laughs> a good cuddler. Um, and actually, we didn't give you a chance to say, James, what were your... Um, kind of most frustrating moments with our South African friend? Oh, I thought I'd managed to dodge that one. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm not going to lie. The more, the, I'm definitely not a morning person. So I think that was being uh, poked, poked awake each morning <laughs> and told to... Uh, to get out with, with, my, with my okay, elbow. Well, hang with my on, elbow. settle down, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we can cut that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, don't know where to take it from there. <laughs> Let's make it a little bit more serious, which a bit of a gear change. Obviously, this ride wasn't just for fun and to prove that total hip replacements are fantastic. Uh, side note, my dad owns an orthopedics company. Um, it was because you were supporting the official charity partner of this Rugby World Cup, which is a company, a charity that you already worked for, James. So tell us a little bit more about the charity. Um, yes, yeah, so I was working with Child Fund Pass It Back from 2015. So I was living in Laos um, for three or four years before moving to Vietnam. And Child Fund Pass It Back, like, I massively buy into the program. I guess you wouldn't cycle 230 days um, unless you, <laughs> you sort of were invested in it. Uh, but it's a, it's a sport for development program, so it uses the sport that I think all four of us absolutely love, rugby, to deliver really important life skills learning opportunities, which you know, many children and youth just don't have access to. So I guess for Ron and I, we've had this massive opportunity to cycle. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but for us, it's this, you know, we feel incredibly lucky to be the ones to have been supported through it. Um, and I guess that just comes down to opportunity, and that's just the thing that many people uh, lack. And for the program, it's just how can we provide that opportunity 
to people to um, you know to learn to grow and to have access to not just sport but um, you know creating friends and learning really important lessons so whether that be around sexual reproductive health conflict resolution financial literacy things that like every child around the world needs um, and I guess that's what child fund strives to do and you know, DHL have supported um, supported the program massively as have world rugby and uh, we were yeah pretty lucky to be able to contribute in our small way to the awesome work the program's doing um, and in terms of the actual program we were talking yesterday about how there's over 50 percent of the participants are, are young girls um, and I think over 50 percent of female coaches um, which I know both of us were saying how passionate we are about that but how important is that and why did that happen because like it, in, it doesn't happen around the world. Women's rugby isn't at 50% or above. Um, so yeah, what was it that you, that you think has made the difference? Because it's something that we can all learn from. Yeah, it's, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, and you look at Laos, Laos and Vietnam as examples, there's, as she said, more than 50% female participation at all levels. And that's not even just players and coaches, that's first aiders and staff and tournament organizers, um, which is really pretty impressive. And I think it's, it's, we've got to reconceptualize how we view the game and you know the one of the biggest advantages of rugby is that it's relatively unknown in many communities and that sounds kind of counterintuitive but I guess there's no preconceived ideas around the sport in these communities if you go take a football it's a boys game in many areas of the world rugby ball what's this weird egg and you know what are we meant to do with it um, but that, that leaves a massive opportunity to grow the game equally um, so, but, I mean, that's the model that's been used through Child Fund Pass It Back. Um, and it's just mind-blowing to see what, what these girls and young women are doing with, with the small chance that they get to drive change in their communities. They're picking it up and running with it. And they're now huge role models, as you are, Nolly. Like, through, and, you know, I think they look up to people who play at that elite level of the game. <laughs> LJ, like, no, my proud face. Yeah, then. no, LJ look, looked at me then like a proud mum. <laughs> oh, wow. That's last night we were in a bar, this guy came over and was like, Oh, you're, I've seen you on the YouTube. Steps are off her left, steps off her right. She's over for a try. And then and dem I was like, demonstrated by diving under the stool I was on, which was quite uncomfortable. Um, but I actually thought that LJ had told him to say this to wind me up. But then by her reaction with her big golf ball eyes, like popping out, like, Oh my God, my friend is actually known. <laughs> a little bit. I loved bit. it. I loved it. Let's get down to the nitty gritty of the wild ride then. How many countries? How many kilometers covered? How many uh, meals cooked, consumed? Who did the bulk of the cooking? I want to know all the how nitty much, gritty of it. How much area of chafage? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can go. We can go into settle saw details later. Um, yeah, not pretty at times, but um, yeah. In short, twenty-seven countries. Uh, just over 20,000 Ks in the end, and I think um, significantly probably about 100,000 euros we managed to raise for Child Fund Pass It Back. Um, we're hoping that continues to grow. Um, World Rugby have been very, very supportive, as James said. Um, we've got one or two ideas about um, auctioning off James's bike. Um, DHL in the UK have already bought mine on auction, effectively, and um, they're going to 
display it proudly, I guess, in their, in their boardroom there. So we've got a few other little bits and pieces we're hoping to achieve. Why don't we, like, brave the shave and get James's head shaved now so he grew his beard for the ride. Let's get the haircut too. I'd pay to do it. We could get you to twin. Stop the <laughs> So how can people get involved? So, so they're hearing this story for the first yeah. time. Um, there was loads and loads of amazing content that went out on yeah. social media. But can you... Give us a bit of information about that so people can actually go and see what you got up to. Because yep. there's amazing pictures in this hospitality yeah. box of yeah. your guys' beards, for, for one. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you go to um, race2rwc.com, all the information, all the there's like a link to all the various content there. Um, there's a link to the donations channel as well. And I think a lot of what we did, and I think what Child Fund Passer Back got out of it as well, wasn't... Well, obviously the money we raised, but also helping share their story as well. So, you know, World Rugby have done, a, I think it was a fantastic masterstroke to appoint Child Fund Pastor back as the official charity partner. Just makes so much sense. Um, and I think any opportunity that James and I have to sort of leverage that opportunity and to share that Child Fund Pastor back story, because, you know, you know, I'd bought into the project before I came. A lot of people that I respect greatly um, in respect to the projects. And for me, that was a you know a big tick in the right box. Um, and then obviously for the first 230 day or 200 d days on the road, James is sort of in my ear every day talking about the project, talking about a lot of the individual coaches. You know, you talk about family and friends, but every day James would, would select one of the coaches from the program, whether it's from Vietnam or, or, or Laos or one of the other countries, and he would have it affixed to his bike. So it's effectively three of us riding every day. And um, so, you know, it was sort of morning routine was James telling me about who this coach was and his or her background. Are you a little bit emotional? Did I just see your eyes well then? I mean, it's a mixture of this and the fact that in a few hours' time, Wales could be in a World Cup <laughs> final. Sorry. Was it because you were listening to a South African accent? Yeah. No, I just feel like I, we've known Ron and James for about 12, 15 hours, and they're lovely blokes. We've got on really well. I just feel really sad that Ron's going to be crying later. It's going to be because of my countrymen, and I don't want this to get awkward. I thought, um, you know, friends for life. What an, so what an amazing 12 to 15 hours it's been though, eh? We've eaten two meals. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in six tiny elevators. Yeah. We've spilled ramen on our, on our shirts. Um, and we've <laughs> also spent some time with Fiona Tug, yes. who I think is um, someone that we need to mention. So I've known Fiona for probably about a year and a bit. Um, I met her over at the World Cup in San Francisco, the Sevens World Cup, and she was rocking um, around in the DHL yellow and red box um, over there. And just a wonderful woman that looks after all of the sponsorship um, within within DHL. She's moving away from her post shortly, but what influence has she had? Because she's actually come on some of the rides with you guys, um, and like crazy Kiwi, she she accepted was was pretty decent in defeat yesterday. To be yeah, fair, yeah. Um, as a Kiwi, but yeah, what what would you like to say about her? Oh, her support's been huge. Hey, I think. Um, you know, she's come to join us now five, six times. There's no way Race to Rugby World Cup would have happened without Fiona. I mean, it was sort of, in many ways, her brainchild. She was the one driving it forward. Um, she joined us on the very first day. She joined us five days later. And then she joined us in Istanbul. She then kept coming out. It was every month we were seeing her. And she'd come and she'd get stuck in um, yeah. and put in a few good shifts on the bike. and. Um, you know, and then she'd go back and she was the one talking to everyone about the trip. So she's been one of the biggest supporters and biggest parts of Race to Rugby World Cup. So, yeah, huge thanks to her. Like, it wouldn't happen without her, for sure. And you guys have been all hanging out. You've been over here. You've been talking about, you were talking this morning about the games that you've been to. Yeah. yeah. You've been strutting your stuff in hospitality. I mean... <laughs> Well, we've, we got, been, we've got some pretty normal guys chilling in the, with the big, be, big no, boys. We've been, I've been very, very spoiled. I mean, uh, I've been lucky enough to go to, in some capacity, every Rugby World Cup since 1995. Obviously, as a fan, 
Um, always r running around. Were you, in the, were you in the stadium in 95? I was at the opening game of the 95 okay. Rugby World Cup, which as an impressionable student, obviously South Africa just coming out of apartheid. Um, I mean, that was still my most favorite rugby memory of my life was that opening game of the 95 World Cup. Well, it won't be today. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. Oh. There we go, there we go. I feel really bad that I've done that around like a Mandela story. Like, yeah, it's just <laughs> inappropriate. It's all right. <laughs> Typical Welsh. He's not around, don't worry about yeah. it. No. Oh, too soon. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I mean, that was obviously, uh, I mean, again, without being corny, I mean, it really, I mean, that's, that's a proof that sport can change the world. It's certainly, you know, the impact that it had on South Africa. And um, and um, anyway, yeah, so I've been to, you know, oh, sorry, I lied, 2003, I wasn't in Australia, but you kind of always go to the World Cups as a fan and, you know, when I was a bit younger, some mates were sort of playing and now you could rely on them for a few tickets. But as you get older and older, sort of, as your, your sort of contacts in the team sort You've of got go to work out ways to get here, like cycling. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I must say, we've been so lucky. And what a dream. I mean, I've been to Japan a few times before, but it's always been two or three days at a time, Tokyo, Osaka. But to actually have six weeks here, really get into what has been the single most incredible Rugby World Cup I've ever experienced. Um, so unique in its own Japanese way. And I think so many people that, you know, you go to France, you go to New Zealand, you go to Australia, they're all fantastic World Cups. But you come here and it's just so completely different. You know, you, you don't know what to expect when you arrive. And um, yeah, we've just been lucky enough, you know, a dozen games, I think. And um, obviously, you know, as we talked about for many months leading up to the World Cup at South African England final, it looks like it's about to come true. So there we go. Eh? <laughs> So the Touché. two of you, <laughs> ignore it. The two of Don't you met. Curl your hair and look away. <laughs> it was a little hair flick for the listener there. The two of you met in Hong Kong. So you were working for the Hong Kong Rugby Union uh, with some of our friends, Di Reese, friend of the pod, and you grew up in Hong Kong, James. So there were a lot of people who had some slight trepidation about the World Cup coming here. Japan is not a traditional rugby nation. They may have beaten South Africa at the last World Cup, but they aren't known as a rugby nation. Did you always know that this World Cup would be as special as it's proven to be? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, LJ's got the giggles because Scott Hastings <laughs> just came over and tickled me. gave her a good tickling. <laughs> <laughs> Japan, yeah, the Rugby World Cup in Japan. I think um, I knew it was going to be special. It's first ever Rugby World Cup in Asia. And, you know, for me, it sounds weird to say, but you know, Asia's my home. I've spent my whole life here. Um, and I'm a big believer in growing the game in non-traditional markets. Uh, I think it's spent a little bit too long in the big rugby nations. Um, so I absolutely love seeing it somewhere a little bit different. Um, spread the love a bit. And Japan, have, uh, they've been unbelievable on the pitch and then off the pitch. The culture and the fans and everything. It's just been, I think this has been my best World Cup ever. And... I guess it is my first, so not much to compare it to. <laughs> but uh, no, I, honestly, I've loved it. <laughs> so in terms of, um, James has just talked about on and off the field, and we had the privilege of meeting Michael Leach yesterday, um, and such a softly spoken man, um, and yet an absolute killing machine on the rugby field. Like, Have you had an opportunity to meet other players here? Um, and also, in terms of what Michael Leach has done, what... How much influence has that been, do you think? Yo, I mean, what a story that is, and it's right. I mean, we had some a South African team, a ladies team from South Africa that came out to Japan as a, as a part of a DHL campaign, Rugby Delivered, and uh, James and I were lucky enough to sort of spend the weekend with them. Um, and unfortunately, they arrived the weekend of the big typhoon. So their game against the local Japanese side was unfortunately cancelled because of the weather. Um, so we had to find some activities to keep them busy during the day. And um, I think it was talking about Fiona, it was her masterstroke to come with the idea of watching the Brighton Miracle. 
um, which is always a sort of a, a standing joke whenever the South Africans are around. But it was gave a, a ga- <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I was I didn't click until yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the Brighton miracle is a story about the the, the, the miracle of Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. not the nightlife. That is a rugby game yeah, from yeah. 2015. No, so I mean, in that game, I mean, you know, a little side note. You know, I, was, I spent two and a half years cycling to that game, and um, yeah, obviously, oh, that, wow. that, that, yeah. So I spent cycled from Cape Town to to Brighton to watch the opening game of the 20. Have you heard of aeroplanes? <laughs> these big metal things, little wings on the side. Whenever you fly over a country, you look out the window. Do you ever go? I wonder what's down there. No, I, I well, yeah, but I don't think I might cycle it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm generally like, why isn't my entertainment system working? You're true to experience a place. Like, you know, you, every breath of wind, every uphill, downhill, every stone. And away, you know, there's no helmets or noise. And you sort of go through communities and you can wave and speak to people as you, as you cycle through. So it really is a fantastic way to connect the world. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I've, you know, burnt a lot of carbon emissions flying around the world and had a great time seeing the world. But it certainly gives you a unique perspective. Um, anyway, so yeah, that, that's what's why I got to Brighton and was uh, anyway we lost. But um, and I think that game, you know, depending who you speak to, actually had a lot of influence, big influence, in just becoming a you know obviously the biggest upset in international rugby, one of the in sports. I mean, it it sort of made put rugby on the map. You know, it was, you know on CNN main news and all these other channels. It, there was nothing about you know it wasn't on the, only on the sports channel. So I think that game also helped um, get let's just say get. 2019 Rugby World Cup back on track from an organising point of view. I think there was a few stories about it sort of being a little bit wobbly and uh, potential, you know, around around you know even even going ahead. So anyway, it's 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 and that so that game had a huge impact. And, and then Michael Leach's story. Sorry, going back to that and Eddie Jones' the relationship and uh, it was such a unique insight. And you like you know about how Eddie Jones told him actually not to try and become too Japanese. Like use your advantage of being of being foreigner, you know, and sort of pull on the sort of the best of Japanese culture and. Um, you know, in a team environment, but also, you know, put, put your stamp on the team and your unique, your unique stamp. So don't try and become Michael Leach, the Japanese player, because just be Michael Leach, the person. Um, and it was quite an insightful perspective on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he, yeah, he, the fact that he's ha- managed to play that intensity of rugby for the following four years and all the stuff, you know, having all the, the difficulties that Japan has not playing regular test matches against big teams, yet they managed to... And they had a four-year plan. So, I mean, Eddie Jones in that, in that documentary said for two years he was targeting South Africa. South Africa wouldn't even be thinking about Japan. South Africa got so many other problems and we would have been focusing on playing Samoa or Scotland or whoever else in Napool. But Michael Leach and Eddie Jones had a two-year plan to beat South Africa. So for them, they weren't surprised, you know. And I actually get goosebumps talking about it, about the sort of watch that long game. It's quite interesting because Jamie Joseph, after the Island game, he said a really similar thing. He said, we've been thinking about this game since the draw was made. Ireland have been thinking about it since Monday. Exactly right. And, um, and I think, yeah, the results lay bare. So I mean, miracles happen. And, you know, obviously Japan beating Ireland here yeah, was, I guess they called it the shock of Shizuoka. And James and I, that was probably one of, I mean, that's for me, my top three rugby experiences of my life was being at that stadium that day. Um, but then, you know, beating Scotland wasn't a surprise for me. I mean, I, I think it was, I almost think they went into the game as favourites. And, um, yeah, they, de- they definitely beat, they beat Scotland. Yeah, 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 yeah. they beat Scotland and, and uh, obviously there's a whole other story there. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I think what a, yeah, what a remarkable human being. And I just, you know, I don't know him from, I've never met him, never had the pleasure of meeting him. Um, I think he's 33 or 32. Um, so whatever capacity, hopefully he's got another four years in him. Um, but if he hasn't, I'm sure that Japan rugby will find a way of keeping him involved. You know, he's, he's such an asset and um, yeah, let's see how it turns out. And created a legacy. 
So what's next for you two? You've lived in each other's pockets for the past 200 and, well, probably over 300 days now at this point after the World Cup. So what are you going to do next? Because actually, I asked you, James, I was like, how did it feel? Because I know when you've been training for something, I mean, I've never got up 230 times to get on a bike, that's for sure. But I have had a massive goal and like worked towards it. And then when it's happened, it's like, and, it, and when you're around your team constantly, now I, like my team is slightly bigger than just a, a pair, but you kind of said you didn't know what to do. You were in the hotel lobby and you were kind of just pottering about. And then you, like, you basically had to be told to go up to your room, didn't you, to relax? Yeah, I haven't been sent to my room since my mum used to back as a kid. But um, yeah, I just forgot how to chill. Like, I, I guess you're so single focused for you know nearly a year and you just have the one purpose um, and it just becomes a routine. So when you then finish and you know that gets sort of almost taken away from you, it's a it's a weird feeling. So, so I was just yeah, as I was telling you guys, I was just in the in the lobby and I was like trying to make myself useful. So I was like, oh Matt, can I help? Like, what can I do, Lizzie? Can I like? And I was helping people carry stuff. People I didn't even know. I was just like helping. So, <laughs> I was yeah, essentially a glorified. I was a glorified bellboy who wasn't being paid for it. And I, I just spent two hundred fifty days trying to get you to carry my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Fair enough. But you know, it was a weird feeling. And I, I don't know. Even like here, I've been getting slagged off by all my brothers, all my mates. Like you go up there, and we've got photos on the wall, and. You know, Ron knows me now. Like I can't think of anything worse than being in a room with a picture of myself on the wall. Like my mum would love it. Like this, this, <laughs> this, this wall looks like something my mum would have painted a shrine, and it's just weird. And then you know, even like doing this media stuff, it's um, it's like uh, James, yeah. we're friends now. No, we no, I swear, I, I love, I swear, I love this. This is just, this is just a chat, but um, it feels like, yeah, just this weird pretending to be important. It's just I've suddenly like. I guess my life's changed quite a bit and um, I've gone from just being, you know, a normal person in a fairly different context to suddenly then like rubbing shoulders with, as we've spoken about, lots of, you know, fairly big name players and we've got pictures on the wall. So it's a really, it's a strange feeling and I mean, it's been an amazing six weeks and I've learned so much from it, but um, it's almost like my life, like I'm ready for my life to go back to my old normal <laughs> in a weird way. Well, I think often people ask us, you know, what is this? You know, obviously the, the trip was all about raising funds for Child Fund Pass It Back and, you know, obviously the tying in with, with delivering the whistle, which obviously from a DHL point of view fits together nicely. And, and we did have this sort of perfect trifecta of having the three main stakeholders of DHL, World Rugby and Child Fund. And, um, you know, so that was, that was, I guess, the big purpose of the trip and everything. But it's also like, you know, from a personal development point of view, and I think, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not the one asking questions, but um, I think you should ask James about his personal development because how nervous he was doing this sort of thing at the beginning of the trip compared to how comfortable he is now doing it now. Yeah, well, no, I do, I do often joke, like, honestly, my biggest challenge of the whole trip was talking to especially in front of cameras so public speaking and talking to cameras and the very first interview we did the day before we left Twickenham I think it was I bricked myself I'm not even lying like they're still cleaning up the mess outside Twickenham it was was well yeah I'm sure you're still getting the smells through because honestly I like I, I couldn't have told them my name. I just froze and I, I just hate it. I really, really struggle with it. Um, but I guess that was, you know, I talk a lot with the child fund passive act coaches I work with around like developing yourself, putting yourself into uncomfortable positions and that's how you grow. Um, so I guess if you talk a good game, then you, you know, got to get out there and do it as well. So for me, that's been a huge learning process. I'm now, you know, I'm never going to be great, but 
I've now got up on multiple stages and strung a couple words together, which is more than I can normally do. Um, so yeah, it's been huge for me as well, just personally growing in that space. And you're actually going to be delivering, I'm pretty sure, to World Rugby um, next week. Am I telling you something you don't know? You look a bit confused. Um, yeah, you're going to be talking to the Sevens group. I was talking to Fiona this morning. Um, I, yes, I will let you know your schedule. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, okay, that's a surprise, but there we go. Um, but in terms of, you are going to be standing up in front of all of the big wigs from... Don't make well, him nervous, no. Yeah, Sevens. I'm, but, but how does that feel? Because you're going to be there talking about your journey to people that want to learn from you. Do you know what, Nolly? So this is, I just get, um, like sort of diarrhea like verbal vomit so I when we we stood up I'll tell you a terrible story but you asked us about famous players we met Jean de Villiers was probably Legend. one of and he was oh. one of the first famous players you know I've met he's played at that sort of level and uh, went oh go on you know James this is Jean oh hey Jean how's it going sit down on a couch out of nowhere James tell us about your first few days on the road and I was like oh well, I tell you what I was slow I was sluggish it was really just slow off the mark it was a bit like Jean back in the day everyone's like where has that just come from <laughs> why did you say that exactly so this is gonna be it in front of world rugby so I'm gonna need one to kick me in the shin so I bite my tongue because I just I'm quite interested actually in the way that the dynamic work between you on the road because there's an age gap between you that most friendships, like normally. So just to be clear, just hair. to be clear, I'm the older one. In case you were confused. <laughs> no one was confused, Ron. So how did was it like a big brother, little brother role? Did you feel like his dad at times trying to rouse him in the morning to get him up on the bike? <laughs> I said rouse. Grand granddad, LJ, granddad. <laughs> uh, you, there, was, there was more than one occasion that people asked whether we were father and son combo, which is <laughs> yeah, which wasn't great for the confidence. How old are you both? Just so that we can get just for the record. Like, yes, just. For I the started the trip. I was forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> with a full with a full head of hair. Yeah, with a full head of hair. No, uh, yeah, forty-four and twenty-eight. So that's okay. a pretty pretty big. So you pretty big. So nearly could, could be. be. Yeah, you could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, could be yeah. Okay. But actually, well, yeah, exactly. it, <laughs> but from but from your perspective, yeah. have actually spending time with someone that is a different generation yeah. in, and actually been in a different upbringing to you, like we often talk about young people learning from older people. I I personally think spending time with younger people, whatever the age difference is, is actually they have a totally different perspective. And you mentioned about the fact that James is like so so laid back, he's horizontal. Yeah. But like, is there something that you've learned from him and you're going to take on like in your life? Oh, Facebook. Yeah, I, I must say, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, let's, um, I'm quite happy being without my phone for a couple of days, and I'd quite like that. But um, no, I think, I mean, yeah, as I say, it's not always, you talked about a big brother, older brother, whatever. I definitely didn't think it was like that at all. I guess the one advantage I had in terms of the partnership, or one thing I could bring, uh, not an advantage, one thing I could bring was obviously a bit of experience, having done something like this before and having put together two previous sort of really big expeditions. So I guess that gave me the confidence that, um, you know, from a planning point of view that we had we'd done everything necessary to give ourselves a good chance of, of finishing it. And I think if you don't have that experience, sometimes if things go wrong, there's a, you know, you can start worrying about the bigger picture and sort of, but I guess that there's a, some sort of confidence in, in, the, in that we've, we've planned well enough. But I think from a James's point of view, I think that, that, that relaxed attitude to life like I'm us you know I, I'm completely the opposite in, in many ways like when I'm on holiday a proper holiday or I'm just traveling and I've got no purpose or plan 
I can actually be, James won't believe it, I can actually be very chilled and just, just do my thing. But on something like this, I take it very seriously in terms of like we make commitments to get to certain places at certain times and for me it's just the be all and end all and sometimes it is at the sacrifice of probably enjoying it so I think sometimes having James there is a bit of a counter to some of that sort of pressure that I put on myself is actually very helpful so okay so yeah I'm going on a little bit but yeah no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start crying <laughs> um look it's been honestly absolutely epic to meet you yeah. both um I I can't sit on a bike for 30 minutes in the gym, let alone yeah. 230 days. Yeah. But in terms of the um, the media that you've brought to Child Run Pass It Back yeah. um, and the work that you've put in and, and actually just sitting and having a chat with us has been, it's been really, really brilliant and an absolute privilege. So thank you for coming on the pod. Thanks, Nolly. It's been awesome to be on and meet you both and enjoy a few highballs last <laughs> night. <laughs> or show you, depending. Talking about rugby. She's <laughs> <laughs> terrible under the highball, as always. She's been drinking that here because that was her specialism back in the day. <laughs> no, thanks, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. And, and really, yeah, as I say, we've just been meeting awesome people. And uh, thanks for adding to that list and joining that list. And, uh, and also just the opportunity to share, particularly the Child Fund Pass It Back story and... Um, yeah, if anybody's interested in the journey or anybody feels inspired to do something, just get hold of us. Yeah, we, we love sharing it and we've been so lucky and, you know, DHL supports and everything and um, we feel like in some ways we need to pay that forward. So, One word of advice, do not give that microphone back because she will tell you exactly who's going to win this afternoon. With Wales! Wales! So there you have it, the legends who delivered the whistle for the opening match of this Rugby World Cup. Such great guys. I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Was we good hope you fun. did too. Um, so, in terms of another little bit of a roundup, we need to talk about Match Pint. Oh, do you know what? We've delayed talking about this for one reason and one reason only. The quarterfinal round was won by the biggest noise going. <laughs> Congratulations. Sam Waterman. Nolly's older brother has come through he only had to predict four games, let's be honest. <laughs> it's probably going to be the proudest moment of his year. I think he got a perfect prediction in the New Zealand game. And um, he told me we were texting each other which like results we'd got. And we're so similar. We get, we put like pretty much yeah. the same. And um, he told me his score. And then even I was like cheering it on in the end. <laughs> I was like, don't score another <laughs> yeah. try. Um, but yeah, well done, my delightful darling brother who has set up the western league as well and they've got it at the rugby club and stuff so well done Sammy Peter so at the end of the world cup all of you round winners will receive your stash your prizes Um, there is a reason we're waiting till the end is because we're going to pick up some bits and pieces for you whilst we're here Sam would have got those gifts anyway. <laughs> He's tried so hard. We I would know. have brought him things home anyway. I know, bless him. But no, bless well done, him. Samuel. Um, and then the semi-final, to be fair, I was not I was really close. I got both wrong. Um, I was really close with the England score. And then um, I changed on the DHL bus over to the ground from South Africa by seven to Wales by four. I'm absolutely gutted. I would have won the won the Guinness Legends League this round. Um, but girls, Jess Jenner. The girls are doing it. Jess yeah. Jenner. Jessica Jenner, 48 points, which is pretty good going on the two test matches. Yeah, well done. Um, well done. Steve Watts second as well. well What's he from Green? 
22. Well done, Steve. Overall, Charlie Cutting has still got the top spot. So he's held that from week one. Impressive. Impressive name. Impressive scoring. Impressive by name. Impressive (laughs) by nature. Can he hold out to next week? Yeah. Alex Hilton is close, but unless Charlie goes for the wrong team, I think he's going to win it. Ah, well done, Charlie. There will be a special prize for you, Charlie. Um, Moving on from Match Point, we are going to pod all week. Nolly's looking at me like, we're not going (laughs) to manage that. Yes, we are. We've learned our lessons. We're not leaving things till the last day like we did in Hong Kong. (laughs) Well, I nearly lost my voice. Um, Okay, I will try. Um, For the listeners, not for you. The one thing I am going to have to say to you, Don't touch my leg. (laughs) It it is going to mean us leaving our rabbit hutch of a bedroom that we're currently in. I've gone out and worked this morning. I came and Nolly was like, you woke me up by closing the door. She's sat here in her pyjamas. We are like Morecambe Wise quite quite. Yeah, I've I've got an event with Laureus this afternoon. I've got a a few other bits going on this this week. Um, So we'll take you on our adventures. Yeah, bye for now. Bye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.